Wayne, we finally did it. What do we do, Ben? We get Dave Grohl as a guest? Well, we didn't do that. What about Eric Church? Get Eric Church as a guest? Is that it? We didn't do that either, but... Oh, man. Then you got to tell me you got Shania Twain, my, my, my rock and roll crush. She's going to be on the show, right? We didn't do that either. We finally joined Patreon. Oh, we did, did we? We, we did, and for as little as $3 a month, you can help support the podcast. And, of course, depending on the tier that you select, you can get access to episodes a week before they go live to all of our listeners. And also as a special treat, at the guest revisitor level, you can join us for an episode to talk about one of your favorite records. And we might also just have a special guest join us for that episode as well. And all new Patreons at all levels will be invited to our first ever live stream event on May 18th when we talk about one of the greatest records of all time, The Clash's London Calling. And speaking of favorites, one of our favorite guests, Ira Elliott of Not A Surf, is going to join us for that live stream. So go to patreon.com slash records revisited podcast. That's all one word to sign up. And we'll give shout outs on our episodes for all new revisitors. So big shout-outs to our first four Patreon revisitors. That includes Kevin Peters, who's our first-ever patron. Thanks a ton, Kevin. Also, shout-outs to Tim Reed, Andy B., and Carly Anderson, all new patrons. Thank you all so much. And I'm going to be purging the closet. There's going to be some T-shirt giveaways at some point, too. And a few of those names you will hear on upcoming episodes because they joined at our guest revisitor level. I think one of them has already selected a Bruce Springsteen record to talk about. He did. He's already marked his territory on that one. All right. You ready for the actual episode? Absolutely. Cue up the intro music. Welcome to another episode of Records Revisit, a podcast dedicated to the magic of music. I'm your DJ, your MC, the host on the East Coast. I'm Ben Montgomery. Joining me is the man who likes to tell people, quote, it takes four days to get to like me, but two to want to leave. But the part that really gets me are all the moments in between. Here's my co-host from the left coast, Wayne Fugate. Hola, Ben. I mean, hardly anybody's made it to that four days. <laughs> There we go. All right. For this episode, we have a couple of revisitors. First up, he's the drummer for one of my favorite bands, Carbon Leaf, but he's also a podcast host himself of the After the Gig podcast. So please welcome back to our podcast, Jesse Humphrey. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. Secondly, you might remember him from our episode about John Mayer's Continuum. His song, If I Lost You, made my most listened to songs list of 2019. He's got some new music coming out in 2021. Please welcome back to the podcast, Grayson Foster. Hello, hello. I have lots of time to talk about John Mayer. Fantastic. <laughs> All right. Premise of our podcast, fairly simple. We talk about music, but as we do at the beginning of each episode, I ask the all-important question, what t-shirt are you wearing, Wayne? Uh, my brother got me a late birthday present. He actually got me two shirts. One was a T-shirt with Elvis in his mugshot from the Army, which the ties in. John Mayer and Elvis Presley are possibly the two prettiest men in rock and roll. Uh, but the other shirt, just so you know, the other shirt he got me was a joke. It's uh, We call it the Burt Reynolds shirt. It's a black Western-style shirt with, like, roses embroidered on it. And he thinks I won't wear it, but I'm going to wear it. 
Okay. I, don't, I think I can pull it off. You'll, you'll pull it off. Mm. All right. Grayson, how about you? What T-shirt are you wearing? Uh, I have a uh, special edition uh, Uniqlo T-shirt. It's a Jar Jar Binks and the Wave of Kanagawa. Underrated Star Wars character. Very popular painting. They combine the two. Underrated. Did you just say underrated? Yes, he's misunderstood. Misunderstood. Yeah, you got to read the novels, and then you'll fully understand them. Yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. (laughs) Um, So, so I I kind of figured you were going to wear another Star Wars T-shirt. So that's that that's cool. All right, how about you, Jesse? What Uh, T-shirt are you wearing? I'm not going to lie. I'm wearing a T-shirt underneath the button-down. But what I will say is that John Mayer is a very fashionable guy. And before the podcast, I said, hey, I'm going to get dressed up for this since we're going to be on video. And I did that in the name of John Mayer. So here we go. Fantastic. And, and then you find out that we're only recording the audio. Right. And I was like, gosh. <laughs> I would have normally said a different word there, but you told me to be nice. Yeah. All right. Well, good. Um, all right. So I am wearing, I, you can probably see this, just yeah. in, in, in honor of having you back on, I am wearing awesome. one of my Carbon Leaf t-shirts. That's so. my favorite one that the band's ever made. I love it. It's that good. Shirt. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, all right. I don't. Well, let's. It's always it's always difficult to figure out. Okay, who am I going to talk to first? Am I going to talk to Grayson first? Am I going to talk to Jesse first? Um, so I'll I'll throw this out to both of you. So both of you, since you've been on. Um, have had some significant life events happen. Jesse, you had a baby since since you uh, came on the podcast. So, mm-hmm. congratulations on that. How old is your 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 kid now? He is. Uh, thank you. First of all, but he's going to be one on Sunday, on Easter Sunday. So I'm not sure when this comes out, but he uh, will probably be one by then. Fantastic. And mm-hmm. Grayson, you got married. I did. Yes. How was getting married during a pandemic? You know, we, we were very fortunate. Um, we, we had to make our guest list a lot smaller, which was, a, which was a bummer, but at the same time, it was very intimate. Um, it was a great experience. We had no COVID cases at all, which was, was very good. We made sure we were safe. Please don't cancel me. And um, <laughs> yeah, love marriage. Highly, highly recommend. Big fan so far. All right. I was going to ask, how's the, how's the newlywed life treating you, but... You kind of beat me to that. No, it's fantastic. I mean, obviously, yeah. you've you've heard my music. I, I'm not quite sure what I would do without her. Yeah. Did you guys have to change venues or anything for your for your wedding? Was it? Um... We did, and ours was already going to be all outside in the mountains of North Carolina, and um, we kind of kept our eye on it. And the county that we were in when we went up there for the wedding only had one active case at the time, so we were we were trying to be as as you know careful as we could be but at the same time we we really wanted to get married oh of course yeah i would imagine that people would uh you know it would more likely be the venue that would be like hey i don't know about this so but that's awesome that you're able to do it congratulations thank you thank you so much Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah, just wait 20 years (laughs) or four (laughs) or four (laughs) <laughs> yeah i know she wanted to um we already have a cat and she was begging me for a dog so we got a fish but i I'm, i don't know that baby talk will be happening sometime compromise so, i know well, yeah then because then i can go from fish to dog you know because if i went straight to dog i'd be you know so just always try- gotta have somewhere to go <laughs> yeah yeah 
Wayne Wayne's keeping quiet over here. Yeah, I don't. I didn't learn any of that. So <laughs> my days are over though. So my youngest just turned twenty-one. So I live in this big house all by myself. For for now, that sounds so <laughs> awesome. For now, when's Brandy it's moving? Not in? as bad as it sounds. I know it sounds. It sounds awesome. <laughs> it does. It does sound amazing. Um, yeah, it's pretty fun. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> sounds like it looks like and sounds like you're well rested. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the most I've seen him smile. Um, oh, I thought I heard a, a beer can open. That's what that is. Oh, uh, that's a whiskey ginger. Oh, yeah. Oh, ginger beer. Okay. Well, um, so before I jump into all of this, and because I'm trying to show gratitude when I can, so we, um, we have to thank Jesse dating back to 2019. So Jesse was one of our very first guests that we had on the podcast. And we started asking our guests at the end of each episode, so who do you know that I don't know who should come on this podcast? And we now have this super long, what I call the Jesse Humphrey referral trail going on. So you referred us to Stephen Kellogg after that who then referred us to Brian Dunn, who referred us on to... Well, it's taken off from there. So from your one referral, we've had... I looked at a little bit of it, and sorry to interrupt yeah. you. I, I looked at a little bit of it. I was like, oh, man, I could have gave you him and him and him, and, and, but I, I wish... Uh, but I'm glad that I didn't have to do all the work. I just gave you no, one. No, you didn't have it. to do any of the work other than, you know, you introduced us to Steven, so... That's yeah, awesome. We've, we've had 20 guests from that referral trail and 23 episodes based off of that because we've had steven on twice we've had brian on twice um scott terry from red wanting blue has been on twice not to mention some of those individuals have were on our special john prine appreciation episode so so thank you thank you very much for introducing us to your friends um it has been a a fun journey and um you know that that we have a couple referral trails that are super long. Yours is the longest. Uh, we do have a a uh, I would call it a punk centric referral trail. Wayne, right from from Ira Elliot from Not a Surf. He introdu- introduced us to Doug Gillard of Guided by Voices, and then that has just kind of led it, us to a bunch of different punk centric uh, guests. So it's been fun. It's That's been awesome. Fun. Yeah, it yeah. seems like you guys have been like crushing it. So, congratulations. Thank you. How, so, how how are you doing uh, for your podcast? Are are you you're still doing it? Um, yep. I just listened to the Nick Howard episode today. Yep. Um, are are the are the the guests mostly people that you know, or are you getting hooked up with other people that maybe you're not completely familiar with? It branches out. So, I try to do. I try to do a little bit of the same thing that you do, but it'll go from like, I'll try to hit multiple people in the bands or that play for the artists that, um, that I've worked with in the past. Uh, but it's moved on to different, to different people that I don't know. Um, which is great. It's always nice to have a conversation with somebody new that has a new experience and a new story. Um, but that's kind of the, the basis around it where, I want to know what that person's story was like from the beginning. That's my wife uh, from the beginning and um, uh, and like moving on into where they 
you know, not went to school, just their different experiences. Like everybody has a different story. Everybody has a different experience. And, um, I really, I gravitate to talking to singer songwriters because I, I write, but I don't have that. Um, I haven't released a lot of, of work and I love that, um, connection that singer songwriters have with people and just, that whole world around it and the emotions and songwriting and the relationship. So I, I like to try to talk to a lot of singer songwriters, but um, you know, everything's different. I find that people aren't super interested in gear. So I like to ask <laughs> bass players about uh, their home life. <laughs> right. right. You might want to edit that part out, but um, <laughs> or not, it doesn't matter, but you uh, it, it's, it's just been so fun. I haven't been as consistent with it uh it was going every single week i try to do it at least every other week now because i have so many other um different things that i'm trying to do plus having the baby and it's yeah. it's just uh it's a crazy world right now so any any time that i can uh scrounge up to get something out there i have like four episodes on deck that i haven't edited yet i wanted to release one today it just didn't happen so i'm gonna do it next week but um that's kind of how it's going it's it, and it's tough did did you realize how much work putting out a podcast was going to be yeah yeah i mean i knew i have okay, a pretty well i didn't so <laughs> you're, you're. well i have a background in in like audio and media yeah. and um and stuff like that so i knew i knew that it would um i knew that it would be like a little bit time consuming but to think of good content and have good conversations and to I've been trying to do a lot more research before I talk to people now so so we can move things along a bit um but uh in the in the you know beginning I just wanted to talk and just see where it went and but now I want to know where it's going to go before before we start up so I can keep them concise and make the editing a little bit quicker but yeah yeah the episodes that you do with John the bass player from Carbon oh, yeah. Leaf. Um, it's been a little ever, while. Don't ever prepare ahead of time. Just we never do. No, the conversation that you guys have, uh, so fun. Those are <laughs> those, those are my favorite episodes of you. I mean, the things that I've taken out of those conversations, <laughs> I can is, only imagine, is just not. I mean, you know, Grayson, you're talking about getting canceled earlier. I mean, it would have happened. <laughs> like, it would. I would have been canceled so many times i'm already uncanceled um no it's just uh you just stream of consciousness with with john we have a great relationship and we talk about a lot of different things and we have a lot of different interests and stuff and um the conversations are always fresh like he just got a new tattoo so i'll be down there in a couple weeks and we'll be uh i'm sure podcasting again i gotta get carter though it's always hard to nail down carter because he just disappears has he been on your podcast other than like like five minutes in the 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 green room before a show uh he um he had a little snippet where he wasn't really on mic in the the episode i did with don miggs um which was which was a cool talk about like some really cool vintage guitars um and that's a that's it but we we got to sit down and talk because i mean carter's a such an interesting guy he's a quiet dude but on the podcast i mean once he gets going it's off to the races yeah 
So I find it hilarious that the subtitle for your episode with Barry, who is the lead singer of Carbon Leaf, mm-hmm. is titled, At Least I Showed Up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So philosophical question for you all. How long should I keep a grudge? Oh. Grayson, how, how, how long is your longest grudge? I don't know. I feel, I feel like I still kind of hold on to some just purely for the motivation. Um, I was actually having a conversation with my, with my dad the other day, and I was just like, why, if someone, like, if I want the most motivation, why does someone just, like, have to tell me I can't do something? And I'll never forget it. And he started his own business a long time ago, and, and he was like, I still every day think about the bankers who denied me a loan. And I'm like, all right, so my, I guess my answer is okay. like, if it's if it's if it's driving you in a positive way, never let it go. But if you're like actually harboring bad feelings, it's probably not healthy. Yeah. How about you, Wayne? How long should uh, how, how long should you keep a grudge? Oh, that's how long I should keep a grudge, and how long you should keep a grudge. <laughs> two different things. Um, I'm bound by family law to keep it forever. So. <laughs> All right, so the reason why I'm asking this, so Barry was supposed to join me and Terry on an episode to discuss the album Indian Summer. I had a feeling I knew where this was Jesse, do you know where I'm going with this? (laughs) Yeah, I sure do, yeah. Mm -hmm. So I get an email or a text from the the manager, your manager, that Barry is not going to be available after all for the episode recording. So yeah, Barry... How did you that? Um somebody did i don't remember the name yes so yeah so barry barry stood me up like uh 10 minutes before we were supposed to record so terry at least shows up and we're like well let's let's go ahead and record we'll see where this goes this was still where wayne and i were trying to test a couple different formats to kind of figure out okay well maybe we'll talk to the musicians that that put out some of our favorite records and we'll talk about, you know, what went into it. So I'm asking Terry all these questions about Indian summer and I'm a lyric guy. So I'm asking all these lyrical questions and Terry's like, I don't know. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's a question for Barry. (laughs) That Um, is a really good Terry Clark impression. That's a really good one. (laughs) That sounds like a question for the B man. Uh huh. And so I'm still holding a grudge because Barry didn't show up. So um, that that doesn't prevent me from spending my money right. with Carbon Leaf because I did go to the show, the last show that you guys did in Orlando. Me and my buddy Eric, who you know you met at the VIP thing in in mm-hmm. Tampa, um, we we've gone to two of your live streams. So we are throwing our money at you still, and but, we appreciate um, it. Very much appreciate it, but I'm still, but I'm still holding a grudge against Barry. Well, let me te- let me see if I can ease the pain a little bit. Um, <laughs> Barry, out of everybody in the band, Barry has the most plate spinning as far as uh, keeping Carbon Leaf afloat. And I'm not, I can't remember that. That was definitely before the pandemic when you guys were trying to do that. Um, yeah, yeah, there was 2019, like May. May or June of 2019 when we recorded that episode. Yeah. You know the date, don't lie. You know. I think it was January. Sorry, as my calendar is not behind me right 4, now. 4.15 p.m. He showed up. He was wearing uh, he was wearing a gray shirt. <laughs> Terry was wearing a gray shirt. It's known as Barry Day. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, 
I would never, I wouldn't take offense by that. He's, uh, he's a busy guy. He's, uh, I mean, he's an artist artist. So, you know, we deal with a lot of people that have a lot of things going on. So if they yeah. schedule something, they're like, Oh, um, okay, well, if I finish doing this thing, I could probably have it done by then. And then it takes them hours longer than it should have. And they can't do it. So you'll get him. You'll get, he's an elusive character, but, uh, I'll maybe I'll chirp in his ear a little bit, be like, "Hey, yeah. you gotta do that podcast, dude." It's it's all good. I got to get over my grudge first. He would be great though, because as far oh, as lyrics, I mean, the the podcast that he was on of mine, the the lyrics were just uh, him talking about them. He just has a yeah. whole different perspective. He has an artist perspective on it, his lyrics and other people's lyrics. He's a uh, um, he's a theatrical actor. So he has an understanding of storytelling. So he's yeah. he's he's your guy when it comes to that. You'll you'll get him. I tr- I trust that he'll he'll eventually be on. Yeah. All right, Grayson. Sorry, I dominated the conversation with discussion of with Jesse and grudges. <laughs> um, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic, man. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to be talking to you guys. Tell tell me about the new music that's coming up. Yeah, man. Well, you know, I think I think every artist kind of had a, a a different pandemic. Some really thrived, and and some didn't. And I had some music that I was sitting on, but didn't really feel great about putting it out at that period. It was also, you know, planning a wedding, so that was uh, definitely more important in my eyes. Where were your um, priorities, Grayson? I know, right? Um, but yeah, so it just it didn't feel quite right. Even when I would listen to the song, I would be like, man, this is. This is ready, but I just don't know if I'm ready to kind of put it out and do the things I need to do. Um, and then this year hit, and I, you know, caught a little bit of momentum and decided, like, all right, let's do it. So I've got "Hold Me Tonight" is the the name of the first one. It's no surprise you wanna come by, cause you know I. Shadow, I'm nothing without your light. I'm I'm paralyzed, and I'm drunk, and I'm stupid, and a little bit high. I just and then i'm putting out another song um either a month or two months after that called cash money honey and i'm planning to do some uh video work with both of those as well um with with my best friend will branner and our new little company that we have making videos yeah before we start recording you 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 told me that you're branching out into film work as well, correct? Yeah, I started I started doing some film scoring and and sound design, and then starting to branch out also into the the comedy world, running some shows and producing that. Um, you know, just trying to spread myself super thin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yet and and that's what newlyweds are supposed to do: not spend any time with their new brides, right? Well, no, I I do that. I just don't mow the grass. That's what I gave up. I don't. Okay. Yeah, it's a yeah. good deal. 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is a good deal. Get a goat. What's that? Get a goat? I said, get a get goat. A, get a, oh. <laughs> That's a good babe, idea. you want a goat? You want a goat, babe? <laughs> she'll, she'll have a goat. She likes the goat idea. Cute. Yeah. And, and trade in that fish and get a goat instead. <laughs> no, we got to keep the fish. We named her you Moira. Gotta keep the fish. Okay. Moira, Moira after. Moira the fish. Yeah, from Shit's Creek. Like we finished that in about a week. Okay. I just finished it the other day. So good. So good. I want to go back and watch it. I again. finished it about a month ago, and I loved it. Wayne? Wonderful. I have not finished it, <laughs> but I love it. That's Okay, good. <laughs> I just want to make sure you started it. Yes. That's good. Okay. What What are you wa- watching right now, Wayne? Uh, the Americans. Okay. We're halfway through season two on that. Does it get any yeah, better? I just finished Atypical. I watched all three seasons of that. I live atypical, so I'm not <laughs> going to. My oldest son is on the autism spectrum, so um, I watched the first season of it, and I'm like, yeah, it's other than the cheating wife, who's a little too close to home. Yeah. Yeah. So, What, what about you, Jesse? What are you watching? Um. Well, I've been really, really into, like, The Crown. I love... Uh, the British monarchy and the history. I love history. So love watching that and all of the different documentaries and movies that surround it. Um, so watching that, I did love the Americans. I actually watched it all the way through twice. Oh, okay. Like that one a bunch Shit's Creek. And I, and that's all I can really remember. And then yeah. I watched South park reruns like <laughs> every night at midnight just to make me happy. <laughs> I just started watching Superstore. Any of you watched Superstore? Mm-mm. No. Okay. Okay. It just supposedly it finished, and everybody was talking about how great the the series finale was and how much they loved it. And I'm like, oh, I should go check that out. So I do have one. I do have one that I saw really early on that I loved so much, and then everyone loves it. But uh, Queen's Gambit. Oh yeah, so it was good. incredible. Fantastic. Yeah. Her, I mean, that character was just fit. It was great. Yeah. Such a great character. Yeah. Grayson, what are you watching besides the um, first episode of Star Wars? Oh, I, that's just, it's an ongoing experience for me. Whenever I can find the time, I'm always putting Star Wars on. No, but we, we just finished, uh, we just finished Shit's Creek. We watched Queen's Gambit over uh, the pandemic. I guess right now we're kind of back on the cycle where we watched, uh, musical movies so last night we screened the greatest showman again and sang along tonight we might do some les mis it's been a hugh jackman week i guess you could say yeah um yeah you know so i guess we're kind of on a nostalgia trip here going back to the stuff that makes us feel good yeah absolutely well speaking of nostalgia we're gonna uh we're gonna talk about this this record coming up so jesse um it was your pick so Tell us what record you chose to revisit for this episode. I chose to revisit Try by John Mayer. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but I am a massive, massive, massive John Mayer fan. I have been forever. Um, I've watched every YouTube uh, video on on John Mayer. Follow his TikToks. Follow all the stuff. um, He's on TikTok? Oh, yeah. He's a great TikTok follower. 
I love his. Uh, I just. I don't know. I, I like his approach to music. I like how it's not too nerdy. It, it's very it lets people in and gives people. Um, he, he's just accepting in in his uh, in in the way that he presents himself online. So I uh, I love this album. Loved it when it came out. It came out before Continuum. Um, has a couple of the songs that made it on Continuum in this really cool stripped down format um and it really uh was a turning point for him in his career but yeah he's had a bunch of times like that in his career so that one particular album where he was trying to show people that he wasn't this bubblegum pop guy and he could do this other stuff and he was a killing guitar player and he could do these other things and he was gonna say hey I'm not this one guy. I'm not going to get boxed into this thing. So I'm going to team up with Pino Palladino and Steve Jordan, and I am going to rip people's faces off. And that's what he did. And it really, um, and then he came out with Continuum, which was his biggest album ever. Um, technically not, well, not my favorite album, but uh, I, I mean, I've, he's kind of a compilation artist for me. Like I love stuff from every single era of, of, of his, I love all his music, but there's just some, some spots where he's like, Oh man, this is great. <laughs> you know? So, um, that's, yeah, that's, that's why I picked it. Cool. Now, now Grayson, you had picked continuum for your first episode with us. And that was, that is your favorite John Mayer record, correct? Um, I think it's my, I think it's his best record. Uh, my favorite is, is born and raised purely because it came out the day I graduated high school and okay. it was just like time and place and the songs still kind of put me in that place now. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So d- you, you talked about Jesse, the compilation album aspect. Would you consider this kind of a compilation album as well? No, I, I would consider this a tr- like a transitioning album for him. Okay. Um, a compilation, when I, when I say that, I mean like, you know, you're going to take Queen of California or something from, from Born and Raised, and then you'll go and take, you know, uh, Still Feel Like Your Man or something for, for the other album. So it's just... Um, Why Georgia? Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I love the song 3 by 5 Like, I just... Mm-hmm. It's, it's crazy. It's like, as an artist from start to now to present it's just it's all good it's it's just still good and he knows how to adapt to the time and the culture and the style and the fashion so he just he's so that's why he's still relevant yeah was this that different from okay so this this album comes in between heavier things which was from september 2003 and then Continuum came out in September of 2006. Is it that different from Heavier Things, you think? Yeah. Oh, yeah. From a production standpoint, for sure. Um, and just as a, you know, artists you notice over the years, they start off and then they, they um, uh you know, as they get older, they figure, they figure things out and songwriting and different experiences. And, um, I think that, you know, gravity was such an important song for him. Waiting on the world to change was an incredibly huge song that he can't even sing anymore. Um, and it was just, um, 
Yeah, I mean, heavy heavier things I would say was like a decent sophomore album. You know, it wasn't like amazing, but it was still really good. <laughs> you know, yeah, but, yeah. You you brought up the bubblegum aspect. So what I find interesting is that he got labeled that. But if so, I bought Room for Squares when it first came out. Like I was, I was that guy that was telling everybody this guy's going to be huge. And you're and right. So when, and so when you know the first couple singles, you know, your body is a wonderland, then becomes a a, a huge hit. And I think he got labeled that at that point. But when I bought the the CD for for Room for Squares, it came with a bonus disc where the on the bonus disc was him playing and I'm and I, I should have researched this. Um it it had uh, a Stevie Ray Vaughan cover on it. So he was definitely not trying to be what you said bubblegum. Right. I mean he was I mean he was definitely influenced by Stevie as you can we're gonna talk about yeah. that. I there's there's plenty of Stevie references on 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 this record to me so heavier things that was that was getting him into you know adult contemporary ground i think so yeah for sure and what i'll say about about that is like john mayer has throughout his whole career in his lyrics and in his public persona has um tried to convince people that you that he's not who you think he is and that's in his lyrics and um and i think that in heavier things and try he's trying to be like hey i'm not that other thing i'm i'm a this thing and i can be that but i can i'm also this so he i mean whenever he plays your body is a wonderland now as a 40 some odd year old man he still feels like he has to explain on stage why he's doing it <laughs> like he right. he says on stage he's like i wrote this when i you know this was about me being a 15 year old kid and you know and it's like he has to explain it but the song is so much bigger than him and um I can make it bigger than my body uh <laughs> reference but it's it's the song is bigger than him and he has to play it and he explains it on stage and he's very you know He's very telling on stage live. I don't know if you've ever seen him live, Wayne or, or Ben, but um, I'm sure Grayson has. I have not has. yet. Oh, yes. Yeah. But it's great. I mean, he's, he's just so com- such a complete artist. So, so Pino Palladino plays bass on this. Steve Jordan is, is on drums. Was that also his way of going, um, I'm going to surround myself with two top top of their game musicians and and i'm going to show you all that i can play with them yeah i mean i'm not 100% i'm 99% sure that steve jordan played drums on heavier things yeah he did a lot of the songs yeah so he um you know they knew each other from the studio and and the thing is if you're in the studio with john mayer and and he's john mayer and you're with steve jordan like just that 
relationship there and then the ability it's gonna it's gonna go it's gonna go elsewhere you know like they were gonna collaborate again um pino plays with everybody you know who who knows who knows how that came uh how how pino came into the fold but i know that the original the original third member of john mayer trio was supposed to be charlie hunter so um that you know maybe it wasn't something that charlie wanted to do or he wasn't comfortable doing it like charlie's a guy that plays in clubs and sits down in a chair and and you know and and chills on stage he likes to just like do his thing i i I actually can't imagine him on stage in a john mayer trio format um just aesthetically so yeah you know yeah um anything else uh background info Grayson before we jump into this no I mean I was I was gonna totally agree with Jesse I mean it's completely a a transitional um record for sure and I think that you know if you looked at uh Room for Squares and Heavier Things this and then Continuum you'd kind of be like oh cool he's doing a you know he's moving from adult contemporary pop into blues pop but John Mayer's also always been a very uh uh, he rewards fans who dig and because he kind of came out at this time where more videos were coming out, more MP3 rips were coming out, you know, if you watched any given Thursday or saw videos of him playing Neon in like a record store, you kind of already saw this part of him that was, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like he's, you're holding up any given Thursday right now. Um, but you, you see this, you're like, this guy is a maniac on the guitar. He just played, you know, Lenny as an interlude into this um you know song that never made a record but still is amazing so he's always rewarded his fans that way and and i think that this record was like a way as being like hey guys this is me working out some new stuff you know still playing some old stuff here's a look into that before i put out this absolute beast of a record yeah did you guys realize that this was um nominated for best rock album yeah i saw that i saw that it was cool the 49th grammys I remember those. I remember those Grammys um, very vividly because I wrote down in my notes here that I think it was those Grammys or the ones before that he performed "Daughters." And uh, I remember him. I remember that performance is awesome. So good, such a good performance, and just you know adds on to why I love love the dude so much. I love you, John. Yeah. Love you. John. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, I like to do this. I like to. Um, dig into who did he lose to at the Grammys you guys want to know the nominees yes for best rock album here we go see if you see if you guys can 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 pick. I make a guess before you start the nominees <laughs> sure go ahead make a guess I want to say Foo Fighters and I'm probably wrong not even nominated all right cool great <laughs> all right so so we've got the John Mayer trio we've got Tom Petty Highway Companion that's the Petty solo album that has Square One and Saving Grace on it. The Tours, Broken Boy Soldiers, Neil Young's Living With War, which is, I'm a Neil Young fan, but that, that album's awful. Um, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Stadium Arcadium. Oh. I think it was the Who, who wins? Raconteurs for Jesse. Wayne? Raconteurs. Grayson? I don't know. I liked that Chili Peppers record, so I'll go Chili Peppers. 
It's chili pepper. Oh. Give it away. Yeah. That was, well, that's not on stadium. I know. That's, stadium. that's why Wayne and I, I don't know. <laughs> Danny California was on it. That was that was a really good album. Was that I Danny California? I think that's on there. Okay. I'm not a Chili Peppers fan. My roommate was. That's why I know the songs, but not what records they're on. <laughs> I gotcha. played. I played, or practiced drums to Blood Sugar, Blood Sugar Sex Magic, so much, it was like just ingrained. I loved playing to that record. That was, that was one of my favorites. Well, Chad's a beast. Oh yeah, I mean, he just plays loud and proud. It's great. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, so as a reminder, our scoring is based on number of songs on the record. Wayne, how many songs on this record? Eleven. Which means our top song is going to get eleven points. Next favorite, ten points on down to lowest score of one. Here we go. Let's kick this off. Who did you think I was? Was this a single? Yeah. Wikipedia said it was a single. I don't recall ever hearing this on the radio, though. Anyone? It wasn't. I feel like nothing on this album was really a radio a radio single because Daughters came out on the album before it, which was kind of the big, the big song. So yep. I don't think anything was really pushed. I know that he made a video um, and tried to push Who Did You Think I Was because it was the most like kind of rocking, could be pop tune also um but i know they did a lot behind that song but i don't think there was like really a true single on this album i feel like it's very hard to get a live recorded song onto radio oh yeah definitely that's a really great that's a great point i'm having trouble like thinking about one in particular that you know got a ton of spins yeah Mm. yeah i'm i'm thinking as well chuck berry's my dingling (laughs) <laughs> maybe that one i don't, I don't know <laughs> wayne can you think of any uh well the kisses version of rock and roll all night the live version is the uh, one that's played on the radio mm. most but i don't believe that was ever a single and it wouldn't have came out till after their their live record was which yeah. was four records after that or or songs. should we spoiler alert for episode for next week i want you to want me from cheap trick from <laughs> at budokan the definitive version of that song. That's the radio single. There you go. Anyways, that's a shameless plug for our episode <laughs> coming up. If you're listening to this one, you're definitely going to listen to the next one. Sure. Yeah, you're <laughs> going to need to go back a month and listen. To, all right. So, um, Wayne, anything on this one lyrically? Oh, I think, yeah, this one, I love the way it's, it just crackles with attitude. He comes right out of the gate, and even the, the very first verse is all about you know what he's doing like i got half a smile and zero shame i love that he's gonna do this because it's what makes him happy but that that half a smile part makes it sound like he's gonna enjoy it because this isn't what everybody was used to hearing from him and i i appreciate everything you guys have said 
you guys must have listened to John Mayer a lot, and I didn't. And all I knew was my body is a wonderland and daughters, and I didn't, I, I've never had anything. I mean, a lot of it's sour grapes. He's way too pretty, and he was <laughs> sleeping with some very high-profile crushes of mine. But he can shred on the guitar. Uh, but he he was playing that adult contemporary kind of, I don't know, just watery stuff. And this comes right out and says, I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to, this is what I want to do. And it reminded me of a story I had heard about David Cassidy where they'd have the camera rolling and he was playing some 60s hop poppy Partridge Family song and then they would yell cut and he would just rip into this Hendrix-like solo Uh he was a tremendous guitar player too, but nobody knew it because he was David Cassidy. So he's going to do what he wants to do. And I, I love the way, and he puts it right in there, right out from the very first song. So no elephant can appear in the room. We're going to get it out of the way right now. This is what I really want to do. And I, and I'm, and the fact that you may not like it, or it may take you a little bit to get used to, I think makes him happy. Yeah. How, how many people who bought heavier things for daughters bought this record? I'm like, Oh, what the hell is this first song? <laughs> yeah, yeah definitely definitely caught some people yeah this one's definitely one that that like would grow on that type of that type of fan or that type of listener grayson any any last comments before we get scores uh no i mean this one was also on uh where the light is i think that's where i first heard it before i went back and and heard it on this but yeah i mean that that intro riff just kind of kind of grabs you and and you know makes you go haywire for a second and then when the drums come in it's just pure exhilaration yeah yeah all right scores wayne ah this is my favorite song i gave it an 11 okay jesse um i gave i gave it a a 10 it is my favorite song too but i gave it a 10 for a different reason i will reveal it when the 11 comes up teaser Okay, Grayson. So I gave this a, a four, which based on those last two scores, I feel like deserves some explanation. So um, I, I had some troubles with my scoring here just because, again, a lot of these songs are songs of his that I've heard before and I know different versions. And I think that I fell so much in love with the Where the Light Is version that this one just doesn't quite uh, give it to me the same way, if I can say that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, four. And this is my eight. All right. So next song, Good Love is on the Way. There is a studio version. You you were just telling me, Grayson. You know, you heard the versions elsewhere. There is a studio version of this out on YouTube that I knew before I listened to this one. Good love. Yes. There's. Have you heard uh, the uh, the um, village sessions? He that, maybe it would, maybe it came from that. That's the acoustic version. Then no, no. There is actually a, a full on studio version of it doesn't capture 
Pinot's base like this one does. Mm. And usually I like to give out MVP awards for certain songs when a performance warrants it. But for this one, like all three are on their game on this song, which is why this is my top song. It's a good one. Oh yeah, that that baseline that yeah, man, that's that's great. It's killer. Yeah, it's killer. and he hits that octave pedal in the choruses, so it just like takes up so much, you know, glorious space. <laughs> you know, he does that a lot in in the choruses on these with the trio, just to take up that space. But um, I mean, that's that's one thing I'll say about all of these songs on this record is that it's just three three guys just making a lot of music it sounds it yeah. doesn't feel like three people up there it's, it it feels like a lot more yeah absolutely um Wayne anything on good love is on the way yeah i he's just continuing that this is a much um i guess heavier it's the some of the blues is a little bit of the blues is washed out of this one from the first one but it's still much much like funkier and heavier than what um, most people would associate with John Mayer. Okay. All right. Any, any last thoughts before we get scores on this one? This is one of the first guitar riffs that I, uh, uh, from this record that yeah, I, that main that, riff that is I great. gravitated towards. I was like, I'm learning this now. So how long did it take for you to figure it out? Uh, like five, 10 minutes. It's not that hard. It's not that hard of a riff. Yeah, this one is definitely easier to play than it sounds. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of just like hammer on, pull off, open string situation. Gotcha. All right. Um, I already told you this is my, my top song. Grayson, your score? Uh, this one is an eight for me. All right. Jesse. Number nine. Wayne. Seven. All right. Next up is Wait Until Tomorrow. And this is a Jimi Hendrix cover. Came from the 1967 album Axis, Bold as Love. And um, look, Wayne, we grew up in the Seattle area. You have to love Jimi if you grow up in Seattle. You know, it's funny, and I was thinking about it. Anybody who played guitar after Jimi Hendrix... And I mean, anybody who played it after they heard Jimi Hendrix play it was influenced by him. I mean, Eric Clapton was playing the guitar before, then he heard Jimi Hendrix, and he was influenced by him. I mean, he just, there's, the sound of his guitar, I mean, you know, playing a right-handed Stratocaster strung upside down, you're going to get a different sound just from the way, the slant on the pickups. Just everything about Jimi Hendrix was different. And you can definitely, this, one of the, this record shows that John Mayer has got a huge, is hugely influenced by Jimi Hendrix. Uh, and so doing a Hendrix cover made complete sense. And I listened to, you know, the Jimi Hendrix version uh, to to kind of set them side by side. And in the chorus, they they stay pretty true to the chorus. 
but in the verses it feels a little bit sped up and there's something in John Mayer's vocals that give it a very Spin Doctors feel, which uh, I love the Spin Doctors. I don't, mean anything, there's, I don't mean anything derogatory by that. It just doesn't, I mean, there's a coolness in Jimmy's vocals, even especially that that part about, you know, when, he, when, the, when the character in the song gets shot, it's just super cool. And John doesn't quite, doesn't quite pull it off the same way. Yeah, and I've listened to this album or the 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 Jimi Hendrix album a dozen dozen times. Um I mean that's you have to if you live in Seattle like you you better love Jimmy or they'll send you down to Portland. Um but this was like the first time I looked at the lyrics and like it seems like a happy song and then you realize that the narrator gets shot dead by the dad. Um, so it's not really a happy song, <laughs> but John kind of make, but John kind of makes it a happy song, right? But he picked a, I like that he picked a song that wasn't one of those big Jimi Hendrix songs that everybody yeah. knows. This is a lesser known song. Yeah, yeah. This wasn't if six was nine or whatever it was. Yeah. I think his little wing, his, his, you know, vocally, he definitely went a little more melodic instead of that cool route. And I think he was. Probably, I don't know, I don't want to speak for him, obviously, but it seems like that if he tried to go that more cool, laid-back route, it, he'd, people would have just been like, you're just trying to do a Jimi Hendrix thing. Um, yeah. I think this one was probably for him. I bet you he absolutely loves to play this song, and they probably jammed on it and were like, all right, we have to do this. Yeah. I, Has Mayor ever done Little Wing? I'm, not I'm sure. sure there's a rip of him playing it somewhere, but I don't think he's done it on... Okay. on any kind of live record or anything. Yeah, like this this song I I scored the covers a little lower than um than you know I normally would but, but the thing is like he as a transition album I think this song and the fact that Grayson I think you're completely right they probably were like oh we should do this song and it sounds great and you know I think if he tried to go for it vocally like that he probably wouldn't have been able to make it through daughters or you know whatever later on um who who knows what the sequence was during this the set and the live the live setting but um it's just uh yeah and and wayne i don't think you're ever gonna be you know as authentic as the original there so it's always it's always gonna fall fall a little short And and i agree with you you know completely um so but it's such a fun song like i i I've covered this song in bands, uh, you know, since this album, like so many times, it's so fun to play in like an organ trio or like anything like that. It's so open. You can just like jam. It's great. So you agree with him 100%, including the spin doctors? No. (laughs) Okay. You have to hear, I said, listen, I'm telling you it's there. 90. A pocket full of kryptonite. Okay. There we go. Um, all right, Jesse, your score on this one? My score was a five. And Grayson? Also five. And Wayne? You're not going to believe this. Also a five. Yeah. I wanted to change my score to a five just to be cool <laughs> like you guys. But um, this is my seven. Yeah. All right. All right, next song, Gravity. Gravity. Oh, my. <laughs> That's for you. have to do it. Ain't so wise as good. Can't be 
sustain like a one half cup. It's wanting more. It's gonna send me to my knees. And this comes from Continuum. So let, let, let me see how good your guys' memories are, Wayne and, and Grayson. So when we did our episode on Continuum, what number did this end up being cumulatively for us? Had to be in the top three. Uh, I would say second. Second favorite. Wayne? I do this twice a week. I have no idea. <laughs> So, yeah, it was number two Sweet. in our rankings. Do you guys remember what the top song was? Slow Dancing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was because uh, you and me, Grayson, I'm giving you a fist bump right now. Mine probably, my number, one, my number one probably would have been like In prepare, in Repair or Slow Dancing. Those yeah. are great songs. Yep. Wayne, Wayne gave Slow Dancing 7 out of 12. Hmm. <laughs> I, I don't <laughs> I have no excuse. I have nothing. I really don't. I, I just wanted to hear him complain about how I looked at his scores. Um, it was too spin doctory. I didn't say it. there's no such thing as too spin doctory. <laughs> this is probably my favorite guitar solo on the record. And I, I love this version so much better than the studio version. Um, it's longer. This version is definitely longer. This is five minutes, 49 seconds compared to four minutes and six seconds for the studio version because he Tears it up. plays the guitar on this one. And it's just, it's great. Grayson, what do you got on this gravity? So uh, if there was ever a chance for me to kind of use another song to re-promote the song I was telling you guys about, it's this one. Um, one, because the verses are the exact same chords, but two, because I feel like he had this song and didn't quite know what it was going to be and knew he just had to play it live over and over and over to see what it, it could become. And I think it's such a cool opportunity to, to see a version of this song where he's in the middle of you know discovering what it is. And the reason that I bring my song up with that is because the song that I'm releasing, I wrote in 2017, but both myself and the guy that I wrote it with were both like, this song needs a year and a half in front of people before you can make a good decision on what the full arrangement should be. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love this song in general and seeing it in this stage is a, is a real treat. Yeah. Jesse, anything? Gravity? Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, that's perfectly put. It, it, it's you're, you're seeing a song that is, potentially the biggest song that he's had i mean it's it's huge it's like it's so much it's so big um he plays it every single night it's he has to play it every single night um and he loves to play it every night it's like that that balance between f creating this piece of art that you enjoy looking at all the time every single night and you get the opportunity to play it with people every night which is um a really special thing and that's that's why this is this is going to be my top song um because i love i would rather listen to who who uh 
who did you think I was because it's like a fun thing to listen to, but gravity, um, you know, pun intended has more weight to it. So it's just, uh, it's such a beautiful song that, that he made. And he plays this every night and he probably doesn't have to explain himself about this song. No. Like, not like your body is a wonderland where he's like, eh, you know, no. 15 year old boy learning about boobies. You know, like, <laughs> when, when you're like at the show and that organ just starts and then the drums go. Yeah. You just know it. You're just, you're in for a ride and you, you don't know what, what he's going to do in the guitar solo. It's just, uh, it, it's, it's pretty magical. Oh, he'll make you wait too. He'll make you wait like twenty bars before he even starts playing. But yep. everyone's still like, "I can't wait." It's like the anticipation. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, I was just gonna ask how how long does he wait, make you wait once that goes in and everybody recognizes? Oh, that this is Gravity. He's got to play Gravity. You know right away. Yeah. You know right away. Yeah. Yeah, and I watched a lot of um, watch a lot of live videos when we did the Continuum episode, and so. again it was like as soon as that drum kicks in and everybody knows that this is gravity it's about the same response as slow dancing where everybody's just like you know losing their crap it's funny and the reason why you probably know that this was in the still in the development stages of this song is because he was still playing daughters in the same set because they're both six eight songs with the exact same start so, uh, you know, you, okay. you would never do, you wouldn't do that again. Yeah. Wayne, any, any last comments on gravity? Well, I'd like to say I'm coming at it from a different perspective. Um, having not been a big John Mayer fan. So the stuff that we're hearing originally at the beginning of this album, I am more excited about and I like, and so this feels like it's sliding back towards the John Mayer that that I necessarily wasn't a fan of. Not that I find this to be a bad song. I did read, he tried to, he, I guess he explains it live, and I, reading it, couldn't make heads or tails of what he was saying. But more or less, the idea is gravity is what evens everybody out. It, I mean, time and gravity are two forces that can't be changed. And so it's literally what keeps your feet on the ground. It's what keeps you from, from being better than, in, in in many ways than anybody else yeah so I, right. I always take this song inevitable as, yeah i always take this song as like don't try to do too much you know what i mean um yeah that's it yeah all right scores wayne what, what do you got six this is my 10 jesse 11 yeah i turned this one all the way up to 11 on <laughs> on this guy all right next song is vultures which is another song off of Continuum. This was our third favorite song on the, off of that album, mostly because of Wayne. Wayne, ah, you remember this Wayne. was your second favorite on that album? I didn't remember, but it makes sense. I still like this song. All right.
since I gave that song a nine the last time we talked about it, I'm giving it a nine again, just to be consistent. Nice. It's good. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> uh, Grayson, what do you what do you got? We've already talked about vultures before. What do you what do you we, love about? We that? have. I've also got a nine on this one. Um, you know, similar scenario. He he's still working this one out. I think this is uh, again another example of three guys just absolutely coming together to jam on something and it working its way out not only on the stage but then into a really cool studio version as well. Um, it's cool lyrics. You know, I still kind of go back and forth whether he's talking about like, you know, him just breaking breaking through everything and, and getting to the other side of adversity or if this is actually about kind of him dealing with paparazzi, which is what I've always kind of thought it as. Um, I don't know if we talked yeah. about that last time or not, but. Yeah, and I looked at those the vulture part as, as like everybody that wants a piece of his time, whether yeah. it's trying to get a picture of him with Taylor Swift or you know, people want him to go to their party or they want him to do this or that. And that really comes out in the second and third verse. Um, my, I love the line power is made by power being taken. Cause I, I do, I completely agree with that idea that the power is a finite, there's a finite amount of it. And to get some, to get any, you got to take it from somebody else. It's a really powerful line, but ultimately I, I love the way the verses have this very kind of jazzy, funky, almost steely Dan like feel. And then, the chorus has got a lot of uh, that, you know, blue-eyed Philly soul of Daryl Hall. Okay. Yeah. yeah, who doesn't like a nice little waspy John Mayer falsetto in their life? Uh, yeah, it's great. Yeah, this, this was one of my favorites. Um, I was right there with with uh, Grayson about an eight, uh, you know. But it, it's uh, same thing, working out a song that is going to end up being on the next album. And I... 100% think that it's uh that it's about paparazzi. He's been very vocal about his uh disdain for the paparazzi and what they stand for. I think he's like sat on grand juries about it. Um to talk about how dangerous he thinks they are. Um but yeah, Vultures, cool song. Very cool song. Great groove. Yeah. All right. Um Wayne, what was your score again? 8. Jesse, you said 8? Yes, 8. Grayson? That was a nine. Yep, I'm matching your nine. All right, next song is Out of My Mind. Is this the most bluesy song on the record? Yes. It's like the blues song. Oh, yeah. I'm putting your baby, putting your baby, putting your baby, putting your baby right out. Exactly what Johnny did. <laughs> I hear Stevie Ray all over this. Of course, song. of course. Yeah, Stevie Ray. There's there's a bit of BB King in there, Albert King. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
We just recorded an Albert King episode. Really? Yeah, and and you would never yeah. guess on on the person who picked it. Scott Terry. It's wrong. No. no. <laughs> but that would be a great episode. Yeah. Um, Ron Ron Pope. Oh, okay. Ron Pope picked Albert awesome. King. I n- never would have expected it, but it's awesome. And he knew and, that album upside yeah, down and inside absolutely. out. Like, got yeah. taken to school. We, yeah. We just, like, when you listen to that episode, it was just, instead of me introducing each of the songs, it was just, I would introduce the, the I would say the title of the song, and then Ron was just, so here's here's the deal about this song. <laughs> Let me tell you the history. Let me tell you song. something. So, so <laughs> fantastic episode, though. Um, if you like the blues, definitely check that out. Um, second longest song on the record at 7 minutes, 39 seconds. The song that is the longest clucks in at 740. We'll get to that in a few songs. Um, and now that I'm thinking about the guitar solo on this one, I think I might... No, I, th- I still think Gravity is my favorite guitar solo on this, but this one's pretty dang close second. Yeah. This one's played on a 335 and the other one's on a on a strap completely different like voices and but I mean this 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 guitar solo is pretty sick. I I love this song just because I think it's a, it's a really great like tribute to that music and I think it's really cool that he put it on this record or on this album. Yeah, the first time I listened to this album was before I did any of the research. So I you know, I knew that he had done a, a Hendrix song. I knew that one immediately. This one, I'm like, oh, I wonder, I wonder who he's covering for this right, one. Right. Yeah. And so <laughs> when I did the research, I'm like, oh, well, this is John's song. This is not, like you said, this is not Albert King or this isn't, you know, John Hammond Jr. or whoever. Um, this is actually Mayor. I so. love on on where the light is when he breaks and when he starts playing this song he says before he does anything he's like how is it to feel that it's 2007 and you know we just broke into a slow booze uh, slow blues and uh 10,000 people went nuts and everyone goes crazy it's like a really cool cool spot in the dvd yeah grayson anything else on out of my mind uh just that i think an alternate title that would have been accepted is uh let me play my guitar would have been because <laughs> i think that's what he's trying to do here and the man wants to play his guitar let and he me, wants to play it loud you know let me play my guitar yeah and then and in that song too there's that um there's that moment where he does that line and i i guess like his volume knob the whole time had been at seven and he just puts it to 10 and the amp just comes that's alive right. and it just that's comes right. through and it's all crunchy it's great just rolls it on he's like yeah. oh <laughs> i have this <laughs> yeah that was awesome yeah sometimes i think that Maybe they should have just used "Tell Your Friends What Johnny Did" as the album title instead of "Try." <laughs> I think that would have been a better album title. Sounds like a '60s know. greaser record. Tell your friends what Johnny did. That's right. <laughs> did the Playboy uh, interview come out before this or after this? I can't remember, but that after. probably wouldn't have that probably wouldn't have played very well. <laughs> probably not. That was 2009, I think, or too, late was 2008. It? I think it was after Continuum. Yeah, because I remember he came to my college after, I think it was right after Continu- Continuum, and he uh, 
it was when he shaved his head and he'd been through all that stuff and and um he was playing songs that were going to be on battle studies it was really cool very good it was fun wayne any last comments before scores surprisingly like i had i kept making comments about the blues and then it comes back and i just i don't know if it came back all at once and too much but um and then he referred to himself in the third person i just it it didn't it it was awesome right wayne (laughs) it was your favorite part right wayne Uh, no, my actually my favorite part is actually the end of the previous track as he's introducing this and he said because he is being, and he is being funny when he says you know I'm gonna go back to Fairfield, Connecticut, the home of the blues, where the blues was born or whatever, yeah, yeah. and that's right. you know what because that's partly it, it it's partly douchey but like I say he's being he is being funny and uh, and this but this didn't this didn't work for me for whatever reason yeah. this was my least favorite so you don't like the talking in the first person. Is that what you're saying? No, no, just he referred to himself in the third person as, you know, Johnny, obviously. And I'm just, well, I got... Well, I let got me my, tell you what I Benny's don't... score is, all right? <laughs> there you go. All right, Benny's score is five. Grayson, how about you? Uh, I had a six, um, highest of the, of the blues tunes right. for me. All right, Jesse? I had a seven. All right, Wayne? I won. Okay, all right. Next song, another kind of green. And I, I mentioned Stevie Ray on that last song. This, this has Jimmy again on it, um, at least in my opinion. Wayne, I, w- I want to hear your analysis on the lyrics because I, I don't, I don't really know. I got nothing. What? And I guess that's probably what, you know what? It, when you refer to green, it should be. It's got to be about jealousy or money, and I couldn't find any of that in here. It threw me off. Threw my whole game off. Any, anyone got? lyrical analysis on this one i can jump in on that i think um definitely have gone you know back and forth on this one and i think that this song has a lot of very good writing and and also some not so great lyrical choices um in my opinion Uh, i think what he's talking about the green is basically that um a lot of that, that metaphor of the grass is always greener on the other side and he's basically being like you don't need to go to the other side to appreciate what you've got now i think one line that stands out to me which also over the test of time i can be kind of could get a little hairy um when he says you're not the perfect hand but i don't hit on 19 Mm. which one is funny because it's like well i hope you know you're as he gets older i hope you're not hitting on 19 you know um but it's also like you know he's he makes a good point you know when you're that age and you have something that really works and it's good you know don't go crazy thinking about how you need the perfect score. It's like enjoy it while you have it, and because it it won't be there forever. Yeah. All right, Jesse. Anything? I I don't like this song. Um, I think it falls really flat on, especially in the context of the rest of this album. Um, it's just you know, it's fine. It, it, it's one of those songs that I feel like could be shorter or it could 
could have had a different thing here or there could have had whatever it just it now it doesn't really uh, do anything for me so yeah i'm right there with you this is one one of one of the i mean it's probably i probably only feel this way about this one particular song in this whole repertoire to be com- like completely honest um but i don't know something okay. it's just something about it that i'm not into yeah this is my lowest score as well um grayson your score <laughs> Yeah, so I'm actually at a ten on this one, boys. Oh, um, I know. Well, here, let me let me explain myself a little bit. So, it's a songwriter thing. That's what well, it is. You know, again, and like I, I, you know, I just admitted to you that lyrically, you know, I, right. I think he kind of missed the mark a lot. Like, honestly, as an opening line, Sarah's friend, she lost her mind. She left, and it made him look sexy. Now, I think he's just trying to like kind of be cool and get people into his song. Yeah, see, I think that's what I don't like about the song. It hits me like it hits me like that right off the bat, and I'm out. And I'm done. Uh, yeah it, yeah totally but what it does for me is that i have a distinct remem- memory lots of memories in my uh dorm as a sophomore when i was starting this band with my friends the dipping skinnies was our name um and i mean me and the other guitar player played this song nonstop. the action on this on this riff is so much fun you're all over the neck it incorporates like every type of strumming and and like fretting patterns and stuff and it it taught me chords that i i didn't know you could use and and how to like you know i don't know it basically kind of like reinvigorated the guitar for me the same way that it did for me when i played why georgia when i was a a lot younger yeah i was like well this is a g chord but look what he's doing inside of this g chord and like this is a d but i've never played a d this way before um so it was it was kind of that also as well as i don't know it's just got a little soft spot for me it's makes me think of, of of those days that's why we do yeah. this we we want we like the personal aspect of the scoring so that's what it's all about all right wayne tell benny what your score is three sorry i had to do that now i'm gonna do that the rest of the rest <laughs> of the night all right next song is i got a woman This is a cover of the Ray Charles song. Well, this was a Kanye West song. Yeah, so that's yeah, the that's the thing I like. <laughs> that's the thing I like about this tune is how he put it in there. And and here's the thing. All right, so if you're looking at this as a set list maker here, and and you're looking at this as the set, you just came out of out of my mind. So you gave people Gravity Vultures out of my mind. Three songs nobody there knows and you know like i said i don't know if this was the sequence that they played it live in front of people but like they gave you that i got a woman is an opportunity to play a groovy song that's still fun that people know that like he's he's doing the um the kanye west riff in the beginning of it yeah. and then plays and then does the uh <laughs> go ahead now exactly so and and people will recognize that and they just came out of you know another kind of green, which was 
old mayor, uh, in my opinion, kind of old older kind of stuff that he's getting away from, and then coming into this this kind of ending it with stuff that people are used to hearing, you know. Yeah, Wayne, you you probably know the Elvis version of this song too, right? No, I I didn't. Um, oh, come on, you're wearing. No, I didn't shirt. know that. I didn't. I haven't. I don't. I've listened to everything he's done. Um, how old do you think I am? Um, but I do. I think my favorite part of this song is how they build it. You know, and they. You know, Steve Jordan starts it out and gets it going, and then Pino joins in, and then once he's in a little bit, then John plays that. Uh, get down, girl. Go ahead. Get down. Riff on the guitar to get everybody in and remind and then he then he goes and plays this much closer to the ray charles version like i say and takes a a great piano a great fun piano song and turns it 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 like plays it like it was always a guitar song yeah and this is the longest song on the record at 740 because of what you just mentioned wayne of steve jordan kicking it at the beginning and then pino coming in and and whatnot because i mean i think this if you go look at the ray charles version it's probably what Less than three minutes long. Hmm. But anyways. But this um, was my favorite solo. But one thing I noticed, like I say, about his solos is his solos definitely serve the song. They they sound like they, you know, he's not just shredding to shred. He plays a solo that sounds like it, it should be the solo for this particular song. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. It's a lyrical soloist. Yes. Those voicings are nice. Yeah. All right, Grayson. Um, what's your score on this one? Oh man, it was guys. This was a one for me. Um, whenever I listen to this record, that that song has always been a been a skip for me. I don't know because I feel like if I ever find myself listening to it, I'm just passively listening to it. I've heard that song a lot. I've heard that song done done a lot of different ways. Um, yeah, I guess it's just it's just kind of the the skip on the record for me. But I will say that I scored this song. I scored this uh, album in my car uh, before I headed into the gym and then kept listening to it at the gym and found myself really enjoying it in that, in that atmosphere more than I had just like sitting down listening. So very cool. Asterisk on that yeah. one. Jesse, your score. Yeah, I, I completely agree. It's like a song that you've heard so many times and, and it's, it's just cool to have on the background and, and great. And we'll get to something else. Uh, I have it actually at a four. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those where I can take it or leave it. Yeah, yeah, Jesse. I think what you said about the uh, like it being in the live set is a great decision, and as right. as like a piece of a live show, phenomenal. Yeah. Um, but yeah, maybe as a part of the record, I think. Yeah. Different. Yeah, yeah totally. Wayne, your score on this one. I gave it a nine. Okay. And this is my two. All right. Next song is something's missing. And um, first of two songs that appear on Heavier Things. Actually, this is the only song on the Any Given Thursday album that appeared on this one. Um, 
I like the studio version way better. And I think I even like the Any Given Thursday version better. I don't know. The trio just doesn't seem like they have enough instruments to pull it off compared to the, the, the studio version. Like there's a missing rhythm guitar. It's like there's something something was missing. <laughs> Sorry. That's probably why they played I it. Had to do that. Um, what do you guys think? It, did do you like this version compared to the studio version? I I personally uh, don't. I could have done without the monologue in the beginning. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's. I'm not a huge fan of that that particular Fender guitar sound. Um, it's just uh, one of those songs that I. Again, to, to look at it as a set list kind of thing, I think it's one of those that he put in towards the end to give people what they wanted, yeah. um, to to remind them of like you know the the other stuff. But I think you're right. I mean, we're gonna get into it in the next song. Maybe I'll just hold off. But yeah, you're missing you're missing other stuff. And I think that um, Steve Jordan, when it comes to drumming and in, in this setting, is really really great. But when you put him on the pop stuff and those sounds and particularly the new stuff like the Born and Raised and things like that, he, I mean, he is my favorite drummer. I don't, I, no disrespect to, Stephen jo- to Steve Jordan, like I, this is what I'm about to say is blasphemy, but I don't like him on the John Mayer, uh, you the know, pop heavier stuff. things or Room for Squares. Like, I don't like him on the pop stuff. Like, um, I got to see him in Brooklyn for his... Uh, his uh, uh, storytellers, and I did not like like Steve Jordan in in that setting and for those pop songs because it was just something maybe something with the sounds or something. But um, I really uh, that's kind of where my head was at for for this one. So it was one of my lowest ones. Yeah, Grayson, it looks like you want to say something. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love this song. I love the studio version of this song. Um. I th- I find when they play it in the trio, it, it does something. Something is missing, like you so adequately pointed out. Um, it doesn't completely turn it off for me, though. I think that I still find some enjoyment in it. Definitely sits in that kind of middle of the road uh, world for me. And I definitely agree with what you're saying about about the Steve Jordan stuff. It's almost like the pop box is just too tight of a box for him to fit in sometimes. Yeah, I mean, because Aaron Sterling is so right. For everything so is so right for everything that John Mayer does. Uh, I mean, he's he's one of the most versatile drummers around, and um, and you know JJ Johnson was great too. But mm-hmm. but as far as creativity, uh, you know, creative thinking and creative parts and just creativity in general, like Aaron Sterling, just it just is John Mayer's drummer in my opinion. And and I, I that's me coming from seeing the early tours with steve jordan be like oh my god i can't believe i'm seeing steve jordan and then you know keith carlock which was a mistake and um and just like and um, i can't believe i'm saying this shit but it's just like (laughs) um and people are gonna be like oh yeah oh yeah a mistake (laughs) and uh yeah it's just because aaron sterling's so good in for him i mean i saw him in providence um before the pandemic it was 2019 or something and i mean that show was so good it was so good yeah because that band was so good and aaron Sterling was drumming the band well i i know that i gave you kudos the last time you were on jesse because 
the first time that we heard you play with Carbon Leaf, me and my buddy Eric, um, I don't remember what song it was, but we both looked at each other and we're like, Carbon Leaf has finally found their drummer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. And yeah. and so I'm I'm giving you major kudos because, you know, you, you talk about all the drummers. Carbon Leaf has been through a number of drummers and um, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, you know, you stay with them for a long time. Cause, uh, I, I, hope, I hope I'm the last one. Um, yeah. But it's just... Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, those drummers, and I don't necessarily consider myself like the most creative drummer in the world. You have drummers that are so good in the studio of like thinking of sound, like different, you know, I'm going to go and put these two bells together and tape them around and it's going to hit a desk and it's perfect for this song. And it's those kinds of things that um, drummers like that do. And not, I'm not necessarily that guy. I'm more of a traditional, like, all right, let's tune the drums up and and do get the nuts and bolts here but um i mean if you guys haven't seen you know i'm sure grayson has but if uh you know ben wayne if if you haven't seen any uh aaron sterling footage or anything on youtube you should definitely check him out he's a great follow on instagram um so yeah he's a nashville guy yeah he is a nashville guy and actually the last time i saw john was in nashville and my wife, bless her heart, she got us tickets, um, and the tickets were like <laughs> the furthest seat behind the stage. Oh, wow. And so we get there, and it's basically like curtain, and then we can see the stage, and then we're basically like staring out into the audience. And she's like, oh my gosh, no, I got these tickets. And I'm like, no, no, you nailed it. Because I've seen this show four times, but now I get to see it from Aaron Sterling's viewpoint. Yeah. And I can also see John's pedal board. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so I was just like, oh, this is so like, it was really fun to watch it from that angle. And I mean, Aaron Sterling is just, it's feel, man. His feel is so good. Oh, I think so nice. his, the Instagram videos that he posts are like out of this world. Outrageous. Good. Just so tight. So tight. Right. Do you, uh, do you follow, uh, John Mayer gear on, on Instagram? I don't follow that page. If, no. I mean, if you want to know this, this person, I don't know if he works for John or or something, but he knows everything, everything, like ins and outs of every gig he's done and every pedal board he's ever set up. It's unbelievable. So you should you should definitely uh, check that out if that's what you're into. I'm afraid with that and with modern advertising, I might be broke. I think they'd <laughs> yeah. figure out my weakness. Oh, scroll reverb. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I'm gonna have to buy this. Yeah, <laughs> something else for my pedal board. <laughs> Wayne, I know that you you probably love this one because it's that it's that old old mayor <laughs> voice. Something's missing. I'm so happy you got rid of that bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and the don't fix it. <laughs> yeah, it's terrible. All right, um, let's let's get scores. Uh, Grayson, what's your score on this one? Uh, middle of the road seven. I guess a little uppity, but seven. Jesse, yeah. what song were we talking about? Something's oh, missing. Two. Two, 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 two. Yeah, we got we got on a uh, drummer's Side tangent. Track. Yeah, um, Wayne, your score? Also a two. Okay, and this is my four. Daughters is next.
You guys realize this won the Grammy Award for Song of the Year. The 47th Grammy Awards. You guys want to hear who we beat out? Taylor Swift. No. Ta- Alicia Keys? Alicia Keys. If I ain't got you. Oh, wow. Kanye. Jesus Walks. <laughs> Tim McGraw's Live Like You Were Dying. And you can you can bag on this group all you want, but they got nominated for Song of the Year. Hoobastank. Wow. Hoobastank. <laughs> the Reason was nominated reason. for Song of the Year. Fun fact, whenever, uh, you know, when you're on a tour bus and you want to make sure that everybody's on the bus, you make sure, you know, you all... You play Hoobastank? No, but we... Okay. Carbon Leaf says, we, we ask, you know, whoever's driving turns around and goes, Hoobastank? And then you say, Hoobastank. And then we go. Okay. That's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Um, oh, but da- uh, daughters. Yeah, daughters. Daughters <laughs> is one of my is is one of my favorite John Mayer songs. I think it's fantastic. I hate it in this setting because there's no acoustic guitar. Um, yeah. And uh, again, he just played it to give the people what they wanted to, to let them hear the song of the year. So um, I. I gave it way, and there's it's the second song that's in six eight. It's it's exactly the same start as Gravity, which I think is like crazy that they put it on the same album. But um, it's gotta uh, give the people what they want, though, Jesse. I guess so. I scored it higher yeah. than I probably should have just because of the two covers that were in there. But um, I gave it a six. Okay, Grayson, what do you got on this one? Oh man, I gave this uh, I gave us a three. This, uh, like Jesse was saying, this just doesn't feel like daughters to me. I know that when when he originally did Daughters, he did not want it to be the single. The label kind of forced that down his throat, and, and he realized that that was a good decision. But it also kind of seems like Columbia might also be being like, hey, man, if you're going to do this live record, Daughters is going to be on there. And he's like, I'm doing a trio, like a totally blues trio. Agree. And they're like, we don't care. Completely <laughs> agree with So that. I think he was like, he's like, sure, here's Daughters. I'll put it second to last. There you go. Yeah, he even mentioned in that Grammy speech that um, I think he said something like, I I didn't think that this was a single. And he had pushed for Something's Missing as a single and also Come Back to Bed as singles instead. Yeah. So this is a case of sometimes the the A&R guys know better. Not always, but in this situation, I think they... They nailed it. I think they did too. Yeah. Wayne, anything on daughters? You know, it, to me, it's a paradox because I love, as a father of three daughters, I love the song. I, I like it lyrically. I think what he's saying is, is, is it's beautiful, and it's. Uh, but once again, this is the old John Mayer, and like you say, it doesn't. It just seems even further out of place than with this, especially the way it ends. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. Scores. Uh, this is my three. Grayson. This is my three as well. Jesse. Uh, six. And Wayne. But it's a sad six. Four. All right. And then let's wrap it up with title track in. Try. Try to be 
All right, this song is just fun. Um, yeah. This is this is a good way to end a record, I think. Good way to end a show. Maybe you guys don't agree on that. Here's what happened. They were all in a room. They were rehearsing. They were like, ah, we need something. We need a closer. We need a closer. We need, we need to do this. And then they wrote Try. <laughs> I honestly think that's how it, how it went down because it's so fun. It's a great closer, a great way to like cap off and, and put an exclamation point. Grayson, you'll get that one on the um, on the album and on his guitar. So um, yeah, I I mean, also one of those songs I'm like super fun to listen to, but uh, it doesn't really hold. Uh, I'm not going to be looking for it. The, you know. Yeah, I say it's a fun song, but musically, does it? It doesn't really explore anything like some of the other songs on this record do. Yeah, fair to say. Totally. Yeah. I don't think I've ever been to a John Mayer concert and been like, ah, oh, damn, he didn't play Try. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've ever been to one that he did play Try. I don't think, yeah, I don't think he has yeah, played it, really. I should, I should look that up on setlist.fm right now yeah. and see how many times he's played that. It's It was probably this time, and then... This you, time? Did, did, you, um, did you ever watch, on YouTube, there's a great video of him at the bowery ballroom doing doing the try album doing this whole thing um so that's fun it's on there so definitely play it at bowery ballroom mm-hmm. yeah i mean i think like you said it's a very fun song and like if i'm in the crowd or with some friends who want to enjoy it as well i have no, i have no problems enjoying it but you to be honest i probably would turn this record on or, or off after something's missing usually usually the end for me all right it has been played a total time total times of let me see how many times you guys can can predict this wayne how many times do you think he played this live 37 jesse Mm, eight grayson 16 dude are you looking are you looking at me (laughs) 16 times. Wow. Bang. Yeah, 16 times. Biggest John Mayer fan. Last, Got it Last now. time he played it was in 2009. Wow. Four, played 14 times in 2005. So. Where did he play it in 2009, does it say? Uh, I can look that up. Um, Copley Symphony Hall in San Diego. That's so random. Cool. That's very random. I don't even know where that place is. Is that even a place? Is that even a real website you're looking at? <laughs> what is this set? Oh, it's set least. Uh, dot yeah. FM. So, um, yeah. Wayne, anything on try? No, it is fun. And like I say, to me, this um, this is a good closer. Like, uh, who did you think I was? Was a great beginning. Okay. He yeah. really bookends it with what he's, what he's, you know, this new sound and this, what, you know the trio is i love that isley brothers kind of part at the end where he really gets the crowd into it so like i say i i like the song and yeah i think fun is a great way to describe this song yeah all right um grayson your score on this one uh this one for me was a two jesse three this is my six wayne ten okay so we're all over the place on this one all right um 
Did we cover everything? Did we miss anything? Um, I mean, I think it's just cool that he that he did this album. Like, you know, it's so you see all the time from artists that get boxed in uh, to a certain genre or a certain you know look or whatever, and this was his like, no, this is not going to happen to me record, and um, and then uh, yeah, he did it. I mean, it's just. It's great. It, it's it's great that he did it. Even if not every song is is perfect or whatever, it's just fun, live, and a good transition into basically like the best his best selling album. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. I think I think playing in a trio can be very uncomfortable sometimes because you're so out in the open, especially as the front man and lead guitar player. And, you know, that's the best way to grow. So I'm sure he was like, what's the best way for me to take these songs and grow and grow as a musician? And he was like, let me just do a trio thing for a little while. Yeah. I'm glad he did. Yeah. All right. Um, any guesses on our top song? Oh, I can't even remember anyone's score. I think I was. Probably, probably Gravity. Yeah. Yeah. Gravity's our top song. Average score was? of 9.5. Uh, number two. Vultures? Vultures was our third with an 8.5. 8.75, Good Love is on the Way. Fourth is Who Did You Think I Was? And then fifth, Wait Until Tomorrow. So definitely front-loaded with our scores. Yeah. Um, barely Missed Out was Try at a 5.25. Our lowest scores... Something's missing, and another kind of green that uh, got an average score of three point seven five. That's with a ten from me. (laughs) (laughs) I like that perspective though that you had on it. I mean, it's just yeah, you know. I I think I mean you know I I I love nostalgia, and I think that. Uh, you know the the generation that I'm in is is coming around to this point where we're we're all getting hit real hard with with that feeling. So anytime I have that, I, I grab hold. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, just listen to our cheap trick episode, and you'll hear all about the nostalgia of why Wayne <laughs> and I love at Budokan. Uh, that's one. That's one of our albums. He so. keeps saying Budokan, and I'm like, is that like a Dragon Ball Z episode or something? <laughs> It's 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 Japanese for sure. It's Japanese. <laughs> All right. Um, so this was this was a lot of fun. Thanks both for coming back on. Yeah. yeah thank, thank you. you. Um, so so Jesse, this is the point where I ask the referral question of who you know that I don't know. Sure. Uh, anyone anyone else that uh, we we should have invited on on the podcast? Absolutely. Um, I think you should have Dan Mills on the podcast for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Definitely Dan. Dan knows a lot of people. Um, I'm sure there's somebody else too, but that I, that I'm not thinking of off the top of my head. But okay. Dan, Dan would be good for sure. Yeah, I've listened to him on your podcast. He he seems like a cool dude. Yeah, he's great. And talk about I mean, media, uh, just media knowledge and and songwriting and uh, just song creation. I mean, he wrote he wrote a musical he was part of a broadway yeah. play and um which was like completely happened by accident he got discovered at rockwood stage one when i was playing drums for him and um 
<clears throat> it was crazy. So he would be a great person to talk about. Probably some Paul Simon or, uh, yeah, he would probably pick a Paul Simon record, but that's just a guess. We haven't done any Paul yet. Mm. So so that would be good. That would be, be good. good. How about you, Grace? And I don't think we ever followed up on your referral from... <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember who I said, I don't but I'm, I'm think. I'm thinking of my friend Kate Barnett right now. Um, okay, she's a fantastic singer. She finished in the top, I think, top twenty last year in American Idol. Um, she's been in Nashville for a while. Are you guys familiar with the Marcus King band? Love Marcus King. He's awesome. Yeah, uh, she's she's been recording with him okay. a lot and hanging out and writing songs with him. I'm very jealous. Um, but yeah, so she would be a great person. I mean, she loves talking about songs, and and she's an encyclopedia when it comes to a lot of music as well. Right. And also just a beautiful soul. Cool. All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll chat offline. All right. Um, so so Grayson, tell people where they can find all the happenings of Grayson Foster. Yeah, people. Uh, if you want the music, go to you know Spotify, Apple Music, wh- wherever that is. Uh, if you want just kind of me and my personality and me trying to be funny and you know looks into my life uh instagram at i'm grayson foster and uh some of the movie projects that i've been working on should be available soon um the first being a short film called night terror that i scored Uh, all takes place in a hotel room so but i'll have all those links out on my instagram and and my website graysonfoster.com very good jesse where can people find you and after the gig uh anywhere that you listen to podcasts check out after the gig patreon page now uh patreon.com slash after the gig and if you are want to or if you're wanting to come out to a carbon leaf show check out uh either the carbon leaf website or jessehumphrey.com and i have all the dates and pretty much everything i'm doing there and instagram as well that's my if you want to see a bunch of baby pictures right now but it'll probably transition back to music <laughs> pretty soon <laughs> um which I'm excited for, but, uh, you know. Perfect. But that's it. All right. As a reminder, you can find all of our old episodes by going to recordsrevisitedpodcast.com. Of course, we're on the socials as well. You can find me on Records Revisited Podcast at, uh, on, on Facebook. Um, got tongue twisted here. At, at Podcast Records on Twitter. Wayne, where can they find you on Instagram? Records are visited podcast. Yeah, that's pretty simple. And of course, we're on all the major podcast platforms. So go subscribe and rate or review us. Thanks for listening. Please go support the arts. I would tell you to go to a live show, but you know the drill on that. Um, we are getting back out there. So uh, check out your favorites. Uh, if they're not out there, make sure you, that you go and, and uh, watch any of their live stream events and, and make sure you support your favorite artists out there. Make sure you buy a t-shirt of the band, buy a record. You can go visit a record store. Just make sure that you mask up and you do the socially distanced thing, okay? Be safe out there. We are Records Revisited, and we are out. 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 We caught Wayne shopping for t-shirts on that one. You were a little little late on that one, Wayne. He's going to go get his favorite John Mayer t-shirt. (laughs) <laughs> 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 <laughs>